0: WELCOME TO THE MINISTRY OF FAITH COMMUNITY CHURCH OF INDIANAPOLIS. WE PRAY THIS MESSAGE IS A BLESSING TO YOU. TO LEARN MORE ABOUT FAITH COMMUNITY CHURCH, PLEASE VISIT US AT FCCINDIANAPOLIS.COM. I DON'T HAVE a, A TYPICAL CHRISTMAS MESSAGE, BUT AS I WAS THINKING ABOUT THIS MORNING, um you know the Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us for a while is that right So what I'm presenting to you today is the word of God and I'm presenting Jesus to you and praise God that he's more than a baby in a manger and he certainly isn't in a tomb and I'm very excited about that because Bridget and I have spent the last year year and a half we've we've dug into the word probably more than we than we have in a long time um, because circumstances will, will pressure you and push you, right, into saying, I need to, to go to the next level. And that's one of the, the topics, if you will, of, of this morning. If you would, if you got your Bibles this morning, I want to, uh, I'd like you to turn to Numbers chapter 13. Um, we're going to spend most of our time there, bounce around maybe just a little. But Numbers 13. <clears throat> and what, what God's been speaking to me over the last as I said, the last year probably, something I've been meditating on and studying, um, is that just like the children of Israel, um, were, the children of Israel, they were a type, right, of us, in a sense, because they were in slavery. Um, they were in slavery to Pharaoh, and Moses came on the scene, and, and God did miraculous, mighty things, um, to, not to go through them all, but you guys know the plagues and all those different things, and they delivered them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and had a plan for them, had a purpose for them, had the promised land for them. And that's a type of us when we are a flat hot mess in the world we come to Jesus and man he saves our soul and by the Word of God he cleanses our mind and and so that's what I've been thinking about and how many times have I have I unfortunately over the last 25 years of being born again praise God that that I've seen people that get gloriously saved and you see God do things in their lives and they're chugging along and it's like they hit they hit a wall they hit a lid and, and don't go deeper into the things of God. And, and that can be every single one of us. We've probably all been through that. Um, and that's what was happening with the children of Israel, that they had come out. And we're going to pick it up here in, uh, in Numbers 13. And I'm going to read just some, some scripture to you this morning. It's good to read and hear the word of God. So listen to what, what the Lord says here in verses 1 and 2. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So I'm thinking about this. This isn't like some idea. This is the living word of God. This is the word of God. And he says, Moses, get one from every tribe. And I want you to send them out. I'm going to send them out as spies out into the land, right? Right. This is the word of God. This is not just like a good idea. This is God speaking to Moses. And if we go down to verse 17, we'll pick up there what happens. But, but, but hear this. Why did God do these things? It applies to our lives as well. He sent these spies out. Did God already know what was over there? Sure he did. But he sent the spies out to help them get a vision for their future to get a glimpse of the blessings and the prosperity and the things that God has for them as his children. He wanted them to get a vision. He also wanted them to see and prepare for the challenges that were ahead because things, not, things aren't always roses. Jesus said in this life, you're going to have trouble. you got to overcome it, right? So he wanted them to get a vision. He wanted them to see the challenges. And in that, both of those things, to see the need that they had for him. Because I will tell you, when you get God's vision down on the inside of you, when it's his vision, you can't do it by yourself. You realize, I need him. And likewise, when you see some of the obstacles, the, the, the challenges ahead of you, you also know, I can't do that by myself either. So I believe that he sent them out to cast a vision, to see the challenges that were ahead, and for both of those things to identify a deep, great need that they had for him. I'm going to need your water, just so you know that. I'm going to need that. It's too dry in here. You guys running all this heat, which I'm glad. Look at her. She's got gloves on. But the heat's drying me out. Dear Lord. She actually brought coconut oil from Costa Rica. Last night, she's like, here, rub it on your head. Your head's dry. you got to get, get, get greased up as this heat's drying us out. Anyway, so this is the story. It's a type of salvation. So let's look down here at 17. We're going to just read a little bit. Follow along with me. It says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land, the land of Canaan. And he said to them, Go up this way and into the south, and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage, bring some of the fruit of the land. Back to us, basically. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. And he, let's see, Ahim, Sashi, I'm probably messing these names up, but that's okay. And Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Verse 23, then they came to the valley of Eshcol, and they cut down a branch of one of the cluster of the grapes. They carried it between the two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs, and the place was called the valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land. So we see this, we've, we talk about this type of salvation, and the Lord sends them out. He sends them out to go see what's out there, and he says, I want you to go find out. Is what I have in store for you, what I have planned for you, is it good, is it bad? Is there poverty or is there riches? What are these things that are before you? I want you to go see it, and I want you to find out so you can bring back word to my people, and I want you to bring some evidence of these things back with you. So if we, we go on here, let's look at verse... Uh, few more verses 26 it says now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land then they told him and said we went to the land that you sent us and truly it flows with milk and honey and look this is its fruit nevertheless the people who dwell in the land are strong The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. What do we see in this portion of scripture? We see that they came back and they said, the land is good. It truly flows with milk and honey. And isn't it funny? That's what they said. It's good, it flows with milk and honey, and here's fruit of the land. And then there's like two whole verses about, oh my gosh, there's all these people. They have these strong, fortified cities, the Anak, which is the giants of the day. They're in the land, and they go on and on and on about the negative. It's like the positive was a little, but the negative was more. And they went into these deep things about the negative of of the land, of all these, these challenges and these problems. And isn't that how it can happen in our lives? We can see this little glimpse of something that we believe that is our future, it's our vision, it's what God has done for us. But there are challenges, there are things that come at us. I was telling to Zach last night in the car, after we dropped him off, we were in the car, And I said, one thing I realized when I come back to the United States after being in Costa Rica is that the amount of things that are pulling at you for your attention, that are vying for your time. Because where we are, it's true. I mean, we're kind of out in the out in the boondocks. That's a good word. There's not a we don't get junk mail. We don't have a mailbox. Our address is the blue house on the attorney street. Calle de Abogados. That's, the, that's, the, that's our address, the blue house on the attorney road. And so you don't have mailboxes. You don't have all these things pulling you. Now, don't think that life doesn't get busy, because it does. You still have to discipline yourself. But what I'm seeing and I'm saying is there are so many things that, that can come at us that can distract us from the vision and the call of God. And I want you to look at verse 30, because Caleb, he comes and he says, then the Bible says, then Caleb quieted the people, Before Moses and he said let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it in life you have to make a conscious decision to quiet yourself you have to get quiet you have to say I'm gonna get up early or I'm gonna stay up late when everybody else is in bed or whatever that thing is I have to be diligent and disciplined to get quiet so that I can hear what God is saying to me. I love, I, I'm going to tell you, I love living in Costa Rica. I love it that the sun comes up around 515, 530 every day. I love the sunlight when it comes up. It helps me wake up in the morning. There's nothing better than me having a cup of coffee and my Bible in the morning at the crack of dawn. Because sure enough, by 630, I mean, the wheels are spinning and everybody's up and moving around. Well, maybe not Isaac, but you know, he <laughs> I'm just teasing. I got to tease him. But, you know, he's a teenager, and that's okay. That's normal. He's usually running out the door, and that's what teenagers do. That's what I did. Anyway, point is this, is that we've got to make that discipline time to have an ear to hear what God is saying in our lives. We've got to get quiet. What happens? What happens when we do that Caleb moment, when we quiet ourselves? We can remember the promise. We can take inventory of what's going on and we can remember those promises and those things that God has spoken to us because we can forget them if we don't focus. And then what we can do is we can say, today I'm going to take action on that promise. I want to do something to see this promise that God has spoken to me come to pass. Well, the children of Israel had a decision to make, didn't they? Here they'd sent out the spies, they came back, And 10 of the 12 spies are given this horrible negative report. Oh my gosh, the cities are fortified and they're strong. And I don't think we can do it. yet Caleb and Joshua, they're saying, no, let's go at once. We can go into this place and we can take it. We can take it right now. Unfortunately, we know the story. It doesn't go so well. And I'm going to tell you why. And this applies to you and me. And you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read this to you. This is a verse that has been absolutely alive to me this year. And it's in Mark 4, 24 and 25. Just listen to what Jesus said. He says, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I'll be honest. There are times I've read that in the past and I had no idea. I'm like, Lord, what are you talking about? I don't get it. This is what he's saying Jesus take take heed to what you hear with the measure use it's going to be measured to you what he is saying is when something is presented to you when the Word of God is presented to you if you treat it as something small and something light and something flippant that's all it's going to mean to you but if you will take the Word of God at face value and say if Jesus says ask anything in my name ask the Father anything in my name and he will do it that your joy may be full I mean, we, we've done a really good job in the church of really messing that one up. The, everywhere I look anymore, whatever you ask, anything, oh, but I don't know, brother, we don't want to get outside of God's will. Man, I don't know. I just keep seeing whatever, anything, see it, say it, believe it, receive it, take it. It'll be yours. But we've we've like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. No, man, if we take heed and we measure the word of God as faithful and as true, we're going to see things happen in your life. I don't know why you're here this morning, but I want to hear what God has to say every morning. And, and when I'm coming to the throne of God, and I'm coming before him. I want to know what he has to say, because when I know when I know what he has to say, I have something to stand on. Psalm 89 34 he says my covenant I will not break nor will I alter or violate the word that has gone forth from my lips think about that when you read something that's a promise of God that's part of our covenant that we have you can believe God for it because he said my covenant I will not break Acts 16-31, thy and thy household shall be saved. Okay, Lord. Your word, your covenant, you will not break. You've made me a promise and my whole household will be saved. So I'm going to stand on that. We have to take the word of God at face value. We have to believe it for what it says. Because when we do that, we can make decisions that are based on truth. Let me tell you something about standing on truth. Oh, yeah. I love business. Business is also part of things I do. Um, I, I study. I read business books. I read those things in addition to the Word of God. And Do you know what I have found in this last year? That some of the most famous, popular business books that are out there, motivational speakers, do you know what they're doing? They're applying the laws of God in their lives. Now they don't necessarily give him credit for it, but they work. It's just like the law of gravity. Barb, you can say, I don't believe in the law of gravity. You jump off a building, you're still going to hit the ground and go splat. Right. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's true, right? Right. right? So these laws are true. I mean, if you read this book, um, it, it's, so, it, it's, a, it's a very old book. It's called Think and Grow Rich. Anybody ever heard of it? It's a classic old book. And what does he talk about? He says, write it down. Get a vision. Be passionate about what you're doing. Write it down. Speak it out. That's Mark 11:23 23 and 24. Jesus said, whatever you say to this mountain, right, be thou removed, cast into the sea, on and on and on, I could go. They're They're just biblical principles, and that's why they work, even for people that aren't even honoring God, because they're laws that work. But people, oh, that blabbing and grabbing stuff, dude, it's all over the Bible, Read it. The Bible says that the angels hearken unto the spoken word of God. You can say, oh, well, I hope this will happen. I hope that'll happen. The Bible says if we will speak his word, that's what your angel will get about busy getting done for you. You know, I used to feel, oh, Pastor John said, oh, we're gonna sow a seed into Scott and Bridges' day. I'd be, oh, I don't know. No, I've changed my mind on that because I've learned a lot about giving in these last years. You know, there are four types of giving. It's not my message today, but I'd love to preach that one to you too, but I'm just gonna give you just a snippet you've never looked at this, study it. There are four types of giving. You have your tithe, right? And there's, there's a rate of return for every type of giving. The tithe promises us that the windows of heaven will be open and there'll be such a blessing poured out on us that we can't retain it. It's because we don't want to rob God. There's also alms. Almsgiving is when you give to somebody that's hungry. They need something to eat and you give them something to eat. Do you know that's the one thing you're not supposed to talk about? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We've gotten that a little messed up because we've, we, we, we apply that to all of it. But really, that's the, that's the one that we shouldn't talk about. So if you do something for somebody like that, you're not supposed to talk about that because it protects that person's dignity. Right? Somebody, somebody doesn't have anything to eat. You give them something to eat. You don't talk about that. You keep it to yourself. There's also first fruits. What does that mean? Anytime there's increase in your life, anytime we have have our monthly budget that comes in and we get a raise, that extra increase, that's a first fruit. We sow that. Boom. We sow that to where God tells us to give it, that first one. It's something that's saying, God, you've been generous to me. I want to be generous to you. I will tell you, I made a decision. And when we started to increase at the school, we got a new, a new student at the school. We took that first tuition of this one student. And God led us to sow that entire month's tuition. Did I have needs for it? Could I use it? I have bills to pay? Sure. But we sowed it into a pastor that God led us to sow it into. You know what happened? We got more students. It's how it works. That's how the increase works. Furthermore, seed, it's the fourth type, your seed. So you've got your tithe you got your alms, you got your first fruit, and then you've got your seed. And seed is where it gets exciting because that's where the 30, 60, 100 fold comes in. And I will tell you, it's exciting. I want to brag on God. It's not like giving away like I'm so cool. He just, it works. Recently we had an opportunity for a family That's a missionary family doing some awesome things down in Costa Rica and their kids go to our school. We said, you know what? We're gonna sow $200 into this family to help them with their kids' tuition and their books and all these different things. And a couple days later, we got a check in the mail. Gene sends me a text, hope you're sitting down. Why am I sitting down? Oh, you just got a check in the mail for $4,000 for the ministry, woo! Sow 200, get 4,000? Do that all the time. That works out pretty good, doesn't it? It works, guys, but when we get it messed up, let me tell you what happens. This is not my message, but this is something big in me, too, is what we do is to we say, well, I'm going to take my tithe, my 10%, and I'm going I'm to go over here and I'm going I'm to give it to the Gideons. All right? Mm, that's not where the tithe goes. Tithe goes into the house of God where you're being fed the word of God. That's where the tithe goes. So when you start taking your tithe and you put your tithe and say, I'm going to make this an alms or I'm going to make this a seed, you just, mm, you just messed up the tithe. Now you don't get the blessing of the tithe. That, you can't get them. You can't get it confused because with each one there's a rate of return. And when you give an alm to somebody, um, you know that's anyway. That's just to bless that person. So that's a side note. I don't even know why I got there, but it's because it's something that's important. Because you know what? Money is not talked enough about in the church, and money is a huge part of all of our lives. It's a huge part of our lives. We need to know how it operates, how it works. The world's done it. They've studied it and they figured it out and they apply God's principles and it works for them in the church it's time we do that but that's another message let's go back to the children of Israel so they have this place where they can heed the word of God they can take what God has spoken right we just read it over here in, in 12 or 13 1 and 2 he says go out there to the land that I am giving to the children of Israel that was the word of God the spoken word of God the promise that they had to stand on And if they would have heeded his voice, believed him in faith, hey, God said it, so it's mine. I will not be denied. They would have gone in and taken the land. But they didn't do that. They didn't do that. Let's look at verses 31 through 33. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against these people, for they're stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which... We have gone as spies. Is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, who came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. They went and heeded the voice of these people who came and gave the report. And I'm going to tell you something. When they believed them, that's when the failure came. That's when the loss came. In your Christian walk, you come out of Egypt, you're saved, you're born again. But I believe it's just like these people. They, they were right here at the Jordan, right? And they had a choice of what they were going to do to go on to the next level. More than just being saved. Were they going to get after all the promises of God that were given to them? And we have something that's happening in our society today that is, um, it's a challenge. You know, I had a conversation with my high school kids at chapel on, on Friday, a couple Fridays ago. The big thing now is, um, is participation awards, right? There was this NFL football player, remember the guy, the Steelers guy, forget his name, but he ran the, the, the interception all the way back and got like a 99 yard touchdown. you guys remember him? A couple years ago, the Steelers? Okay. Anyway, long story short, this guy's like this totally awesome NFL guy, Super Bowl ring, all this stuff, and his boys were in a little league of some kind football and they got participation trophies and this football player stirred up the media crazy because he tweeted out on his on his Twitter account we will be returning these trophies because my boys will not get trophies for something they didn't earn and even if they gave their best and it wasn't enough they're not going to get a trophy we're in a society today where everybody wins everybody gets a trophy we had people leave our school last year at the end of the year because their kids didn't win the science fair they quit the school and left. They left the kids, I mean, here's their, here's their, their, their science project, and the dad, Bridget's like, hey, you guys are gonna take your project to go? So said, no, you can just throw it away. And they left our school. I had another mother crying, my daughter didn't get a trophy. She didn't earn it. She didn't earn it. What the heck is going on? I don't know about you, but I every time I've gone out to make a sales call, I didn't always win the sale, right? but we've raised up a bunch of weenies. I mean, this just the world is full of a bunch of pansies right now, and what happens is, is that they don't know how to deal with failure. I read an article recently where a manager had, a, had a, a young person working for him, and he did a review, and he said, Now, listen, you're doing these things well in your review. Um, it's your job, but these are the things that you're not doing so well, and you need to improve. And the, the, the young person was stunned and said, Well, I've never anybody tell me I haven't done everything right before? They just didn't know what to do. Victory in your Christian life is not automatic. It is not automatic. Listen, Jesus is real. The blood of Jesus is real. Somebody said it better than me once, that it's like if, if, if something comes into your life, you have an attack on your finances or on your health. It's like on your personal property. You can have a fence up, and you can put a sign in the yard that says, No trespassing. But somebody could still jump the fence and try to get in your yard. That's when you get your 357 out and run them off, right? The devil tries to come into your yard, run him off. He's a trespasser. Doesn't mean he's not going to try, but you've got to run him off because victory is not automatic. Don't fall prey to that. Well, I think everything should just be smooth sailing. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. It would be easier. But then you know what happened? We don't need Jesus anymore. We don't need him. Then we're self-sufficient. But when we're hung, we hunger and we thirst for righteousness, man, all these things will be added unto us. Praise the Lord. Something interesting was, <clears throat> was said here in verse 33. Let's go back and look at it again. It says, there we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers, notice what it says, in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Because of the lack of knowledge, which is amazing to me because they just crossed over the Red Sea and totally cleaned out the Egyptians, right? But the lack of knowing that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, a lack of knowledge of who they were, they saw themselves as little, as grasshoppers. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the the heart, the mouth speaks, right? The power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who indulge in it will eat its fruit. If you see yourself as a small, guess what? You're going to get squashed. But no, when you feed yourself the word of God, you get in his presence, and we say, I want more of you. I get up in the morning, and I can feel like a grasshopper. You know, Kung Fu Panda, oh, grasshopper. No, but listen, we can say, no, when we get the word of God, we feed on the word of God. What happens? We get strong. And all of a sudden I go, no, Psalm 3.8 says that the blessing of the Lord is upon his people, amen? That he daily loads me with benefits. So wherever I go, that's what I try to do in the morning. I don't remember every day, but I say, I'm gonna go and be blessed. When we were flying down here, I told myself, I'm gonna find favor, the favor of God today at the airport. And I was getting me a sandwich, and the lady said, you won today. You get a free bag of chips. Well, I like Doritos. I said, thank you. Since they're like $4 for this little stupid six chips in a bag, I'll take it. But I was like, hey, I got the favor of God on me. I'll take the Doritos. These people were missing it. They saw themselves as small and as grasshoppers. And here's what's interesting. They said, oh, and the, the giants in the land, they see us as grasshoppers too. Don't we do that? Oh, those people, they must think this about me. Oh, the big bad wolf out there, they, they think this of me. They, they know they can take me. We get these negative thoughts in our mind. <clears throat> it's not true. I'm going to take you really quickly. Just listen if you want. I'll read it to you. Over in Joshua chapter 2, because this is after the people, the generation died in the wilderness, and Joshua and Caleb got to take the new generation in. <coughs> Excuse me, let me read this to you. This is when the, the new spies, the next generation spies, 2.0, when they went out, and it says in verse 9, they, they had been out there and they, they had gone to the, to the Rahab's house, the harlot's house, and she had hid them on the roof and hid them in the, the stalks, right? And the, the people who were trying to hunt them down and kill them went out, and she came up on the roof and said, the men are gone. And she listen to what she says to these spies. She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land, her land, the land of promise, that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Now listen to this verse. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. They said, oh, no, they see us as grasshoppers. The truth, that's a lie belched out of hell. The truth was they were peeing their pants. They were scared. Their hearts melted. But they did not go in and take the promised land because they listened to the lies. They succumbed to the fear. And they said, and what did they do? They ate manna and died in the wilderness. Christian people don't just get saved and come out of Egypt and cross the Jordan and then say, okay, this is it. I don't know if I can do anymore." I'm telling you, God has an infinite treasure trove of things that belong to you. And you have to study the word. You have to understand it and get after it and go get it and apply those laws and those principles that apply to this. I don't think I've told this story here. Forgive me if I have, but I'm gonna tell it again anyway. There's the story of the guy who was over in Europe and he got on the cruise liner. he saved up all his money to get on the cruise to cross the Atlantic. And as he crossed the Atlantic, every day he saw the people on the boat, and they were going into the dining hall, and they were eating, they were doing all these different things. But he had planned, and he saved and brought crackers and sardines. So every day he went to the room when he got hungry, and he ate his sardines and crackers. On the last day, as they were pulling into the port, they saw the Statue of Liberty and the captain of the boat came up and said, Sir, I want to ask you a question. He said, Sure. He said, Have we offended you on this cruise across the Atlantic? No, sir. Why? He said, Well, you never joined us in the dining hall while you were coming across. He said, Sir, I only had enough money for the ticket. He said, Sir, the food was included in the ticket price. (laughs) Your price has been paid. Jesus became a curse. He was hung on a tree. hallelujah, that he would be the curse, that you might have life. There is so much that belongs to us as the children of God, and we've got to believe it, we've got to read it, we've got to study it, we've got to go after it. It belongs to you. Don't settle for crackers and sardines when there's a buffet waiting out there for you. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen, but that's all right. I want the spiral cut heavenly ham. You know, that's what I want. That's one good thing about Johnson County is that ham. Praise the Lord. Go back over here to Numbers 14. We're going to go on just a little bit. I want you to see what happened. It says that the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. So we're back to this time frame, right? When the the spies came back, they gave us that bad report. And look what happened to the people. They started believing those lies. They're complaining against Moses and Aaron. And it says, And the whole congregation said to them, Oh, if only we died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let's select a leader and go back to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And listen to what Joshua. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, I guess, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel. And listen to what they said, you guys. It says, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, Then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That is my cry to you today. I'm not going to tear my clothes off in front of you and scare you. But that's my cry to you today. (laughs) Thank you. Read the word of God. Heed the promises of God. Don't get so distracted and so caught up in all the things pulling at you that you miss the promised land. You miss those good things that he has in store for you. That vision that's so big that you can't do without him. Right? The vision that's so big that you can't do without him. You know, it got pretty ugly after that. They actually picked up stones. They're about ready to stone the guys for speaking the truth. I hope you're not ready to stone me. I hope you'll listen to what I'm saying to you today that you have a choice in what you do in your Christian walk. And everybody's in a different place, but I'm going to tell you if you're the one who's come across the Jordan and you've not yet stepped into all those amazing things, those blessings that God has for you, it's not His fault. It's not His fault. If you don't feed your spirit man, your spirit man won't be strong. If you watch more TV than you read the Bible, you're going to be more in tune with what's going on in the TV than what's going on in the word of God. And when that pressure comes, when those challenges come, and I'm not trying to heap condemnation on you, but it's just truth, it's just truth to me too. It applies to me too. But when those challenges come, because the Lord sent him out, he said, we've got a big vision, but you're going to have. you're going to have some challenges." The Lord knew there were, there were giants in the land. But when that moment comes and that pressure's on you, what comes out of you? You know, that's what we say, right? That's what we know what's in us is what comes out of us when the pressure's on. You squeeze the fruit. What comes out? The Word of God. It's what's been put inside. That's right, Jesus. I want Jesus to come out of me when the pressure's on. I'll tell you, Bridget and I went through some things here in the last few weeks, and there was some serious pressure. And we both could have just sat down and cried. We could have just complained and moaned and whined to one another, but we didn't. And we were, I remember we we're sitting in the office. You remember that? We're sitting in the office. We're like, it was cool because it's like one of the first times we've like done this like in this way together. We were in agreement. We said, no, we started speaking the promises and the word of God over the situation. And it was an ugly situation, but we didn't talk about it negative. We kept our words right. And you know what happened? We felt better. Things are working out because we started speaking life to the situation. We didn't magnify the problem. No, we spoke life to the situation, saying, this may happen. Trespasser might be here. Get off. You're trespassing. We're going to run you off with the word of God, right? The sword of the spirit, the word of God. And that's what we need to do. We need to be in that place that when we have that choice, that we choose to go after the victory, we don't settle for defeat. We don't say, "Ah, oh, I'll just go back to being a hellion. I'll go back. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. I see folks living where I was back. All the time, the parents of our school. Crazy. I think I said it to Pastor John the other day on the phone. It's like we live, we might as well be in Africa in the middle of, uh, in the middle of an unreached people group. I mean, that is how crazy lost these people are. A Christian lady friend of ours, nice lady, she told me recently, she said, Scott, you're not going to believe this. I said, try me. I know what it was. We were at Abby's uh, performance there was a dance, there was a dance performance, she's always dancing, but this dance performance and I leaned over to the lady and I said to her, I said, what do you see when you look at this crowd of people in this room, everything's in a bar down there by the way, she does her dance performances in a bar, because that's the only venue that there is, so we go to bars all the time, I've never been in so many bars in my life until we moved down to Costa Rica, so anyway, so we're in the bar and they're doing, the girls are doing their dance thing and whatever's going on up there, and, and I turned to this lady, Kai, and I said, Kai, I said, what do you see when you look around this room? She said, I don't know, well, what do you mean? And I said, I see a harvest field. That's what I see. I see a harvest field of folks that just need Jesus. And I said that same thing to her. I said, do you ever feel like when you're down here, you're in the middle of like an unreached people group? She said, Scott, the other day, some ladies invited me to go to a ceremony where we would cut our arms open and we'd put toad poison into our, into our bloodstream until we vomited to get cleansed. These aren't Costa Ricans, people. These are Americans that are coming up with this stuff. Yeah, Germans and Europeans, they do some crazy stuff. She's like, I was like, are you serious? But that's the kind of stuff because people are hungry for something spiritual, something big. We had an opportunity one day to pray with this lady, and she is not saved, but she's into the light. Have you noticed that's a popular term these days, the universe and light? We went and saw a movie the other day and the, the preview was there's some new Disney movie about going and being good and the light and the universe and Oprah Winfrey's in it and <laughs> all this stuff and I'm like oh my gosh there it is I was so mad I was like oh, I can't believe this stuff and Britt's like honey shut up we're in a movie theater because I was just getting mad I was I was sounding she goes you can't shout that out I said yes I can hate it where was I going with all that Oh, I know. So this lady came into our office, and she's not born again, but we got the opportunity to pray with her and to love on her. And, man, we we just don't hold back. We are who we are. So we start praying in tongues, and God starts moving. And she left, and she's, like, putting on Facebook. There's just so much light with Scott and Bridget in the office. And we're like, man, it's just Jesus. They're not afraid by the supernatural. That's what's really fun is they're not afraid of the supernatural. They all want to be spiritual down there. And so in closing... Let's be those spiritual giants that we can go in and take the land from the enemy. Amen? That you can go in and you can go to the next level. You don't hit the lid. You ever feel in life you got to the lid and you just I uh, can't break through? You can break through, but it's up to you. It will not happen automatically. You don't get a participation prize. The Bible says that when we stand before the judgment seat, right, we stand at the throne, it says that everything's going to be tried by fire, but even will be saved, but as through fire, if our stuff is all burned up. I want to come through with some gold. I want to come through with some trophies for Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has blessed you, we invite you to visit us in person at the corner of Highway 31 South and Southport Road, Indianapolis, Indiana. Or visit us online at FCCIndianapolis.com.